Good night, band. You're on fire today. It's good to worship with you all. I tell you what, and um, you know, I, I dare say part of the excitement in the air that, that, that I feel is, is that it's Love the Valley Sunday. You see the shirt? You too can get one. All you got to do is just walk out those doors and, uh, and join us for the party. We, we have all kinds of things planned right after worship today to serve, uh, to serve the Lord in our valley. I, I think it's uh, so poignant that it's, we're, we're looking at this, this, this idea of what we do when people are walking in the valley of the shadow of death. We've come to this uh, Love the Valley Sunday where we serve uh, in so many different ways. We're going to wash the, the hands and feet of Christ, the body of Christ uh, today just got done visiting out at Legacy, and uh, they're going to be joining us here within the hour. But uh, between uh, sites, I was thinking of—I uh, believe it was William Temple back in the 1800s. I think it was an Anglican archbishop, and he said the words: um, the, "The church is the only something effective. The church is the only institution in the planet that exists for someone other than its members." for the benefit of those outside of its walls. And uh, excited about uh, joining in that, that, the spirit of that, that quote today. But, but for now, we are, we are in the midst of uh, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, I wanna invite you, if you have your Bibles, to open them up. We're gonna read this Psalm together. What we've been doing, if you weren't here last Sunday, we're taking four Sundays and just breaking this Psalm down together to see what God would have for us, this familiar Psalm, and, and trying to put a new, new um perspective on, on something that we, we all already know so well. And um, today we're going to look at the, the valley of the shadow of death, as I said, and, uh, and, and parse that out. But, but what we want to do every Sunday for this series is I want to invite you to read it out loud with me so that we would hear it afresh again uh, on our, our, our hearts. Um, but let me pray for us before we, we jump in. Let me pray for us. God, we, we thank you for this word, Lord. God, we thank you that we get to sing your word and, 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 and say those words about uh, whether we find ourselves in the shallow valleys, the high peaks. God, you are with us, that you never let us go. And so, uh, Lord, it's in the, the spirit of that promise that we come to you. God, we know, we say often that, and we'll say again, that this is a, a word that we, we confess is, uh, is for us, that is living and active, that, that it's sharp, that it cuts so Lord, we pray, would you shape us, make us, mold us like clay this morning. God, as we, we peer into its pages, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us? God, speak now for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, all God's people. Amen, amen. So Psalm 23, read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God endures forever. 
familiar with the name Stephen Curtis Chapman? Uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman was a, it still is a music artist, someone I've always looked up to. And long before Christian music became popular, remember those days with the cassette tapes? Uh, Stephen was like this trailblazer for the genre. Um, and there's always been something about Stephen's life that's been a, a, a witness for me. He carries his faith on his sleeve. Of, he's always been super genuine about where he's at with the Lord. You know, one of his, his best songs uh, is not so much Christian as it is just from the heart. And he sang the song called Cinderella. It took on a whole new meaning for me when I became a dad. I think he wrote it back in 2007. And it's this song of this, this father's perspective watching his little Cinderella, his little daughter grow up. And the plot line starts with dad dancing with Cinderella as this child. And it ends with him giving her away as the clock strikes midnight, right, on her wedding day. In 2008, though, those lyrics took on an entirely different meaning. Stephen's eldest son at 17-year-old was backing out of their driveway in the family car and didn't see his little sister behind him. And Maria, at just five years old, was struck and killed. Now, I remember reading the headline. It's just devastating, right? Here's the stalwart of the faith. He's, he's reached thousands, if not millions of people with the gospel around the world. His, his way of life, his posture, everything that he was was this testimony of Christ. And now this full-on tragedy, unspeakable grief strikes this family. A few months later, he added some lyrics to his, one of his songs. That I appreciate how real this was. I want to share with you. Look at what he wrote. He said, I've walked the valley of death's shadow, so deep and dark that I could barely breathe. I've had to let go of more than I could bear and I've questioned everything I believe. Still even here in this great darkness, a comfort and a hope comes breaking through. And all I can say in life or death is, God, we belong to you. You know, as Americans, we'd rather not talk about the shadows, right? We're, we're conditioned to a different sort of pattern or pursuit of life. We call it the, the pursuit of life, liberty, and what? Happiness. I've come to believe that somehow the, the goal of life is to avoid the, the pain and the sorrow. So when it comes, we balk it up and we, we sort of put the box over there in the corner. And I think Stephen, Stephen's story and stories like it, it, they remind us constantly, it's really not that simple, is it? You know, if not us, someone we know right now is walking through that dark, dark spot. So David pens these words. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And from a linguistic point of view, our translation doesn't quite get us to the, the depth of this word. It's hard to put into English what, what David's trying to get at in the Hebrew here. The, the Hebrew points us to something far more ethereal. See up on the screens, the word is salmahuet, which means dark shadows. And the reason we translate this as the shadow of death is, is the root of that word mahuet, it, it literally means death. So when you put it all together, this word in its totality, it brings like a much broader, much more deeper meaning. It, it means to walk in a place of total blackness, darkness, blackout. You should really read something like this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the, the valley is dark as death itself. Every year comes spring, Palestinian shepherds would lead their flock through this landscape on, on the hunt for fresh grass and water. And 
As a part of that migration, their sheep would travel through these canyon valleys for miles. The goal was to eventually arrive on these rolling hills where they could graze in green pastures, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. This valley of shadows, though, that David was talking of was probably a reference to something called a wadi. Look at this picture. A wadi is this, this dry riverbed most of the year, except for the rainy season, where, where it finally began to fill with this trickle of water and lush vegetation. And as such, it was like the perfect road to travel with your flock. But it was also, as you can see, a valley full of shadows. Scholars talk about one specific wadi known as the Wadi Kelt. It's this deep gorge in the Judean wilderness connecting Jerusalem to Jericho. And it's that same wadi that gets referenced in the parable of the Good Samaritan where the man is beaten by robbers alongside the road. We don't know, but for a sheep, a wadi like this could be a desperate, dark place. You know, for one, the temperature fluctuations would be unbearable, right? You have the hottest of hot bearing down at you in the middle of the day and then followed by the coldest of cold as you go back into the shadows. When it rained, your little stream now turned into a flash flood, rock slides with no way out. That wasn't the only threat though. That the problem with using the wadi as your road, as you can see, is that the enemy from on top could see you long before you could see them. If they pounced, you had little room for escape. Even though I walked through the valley of the shadow. And David knew the picture really well. You'll, you'll remember Samuel, the prophet Samuel, was sent by God to anoint this new king of Israel when David was just a little shepherd boy. In 1 Samuel 16, the prophet Samuel goes to Jesse's house. He's looking to anoint one of his sons. So Jesse brings his sons out. He lines them all up one after another. And he, he's certain Samuel's going to pick one of them before him. But Samuel gets to the end of the line and he says, God's given me a hard no. You got another one? Jesse said, yeah, I've got another one. They said, where is he? Remember where he was? He was out tending the sheep. They had to go find him, maybe even for days. Who knows how far off he was? What I'm saying is David probably knew all about these wadis, about these, these valleys of shadows, leading his father's sheep from, from home out into these places of threats and thorns. You can almost hear him say it as he's walking the path. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. You are with me. Makes you wonder how many times he prayed that prayer before it got pinned. When I was a young boy, I remember watching Home Alone for the first time with my brothers around Christmas. And remember that scene where Macaulay Culkin sees the furnace in the basement? Remember that? And it's like coming after him, like, it's all red and scary. That was the moment that I began to find this odd fear of basements. Anybody else have that in their life? My grandparents had this open basement where grandpa like did his woodwork and hung the laundry. From time to time, we'd go down and, and play in this space. And during the day, it was light. Everything was good. The cousins were playing. But at night, when all the adults went to bed and we ended up sleeping down there, all the lights went out. All you saw was shadows. Enough of Ryan's childhood trauma. But I'll ask again, what, what is your valley? See, make sure you catch what I'm throwing here. I want you to hear the shepherd's heart here. Notice what David doesn't say. He doesn't say, and when I stay in the valley, when I'm, when I'm stuck in the valley, even though the valley is now my dwelling place, he says, when I walk through it. He doesn't say, I, I make my home among the shadows and I give up in despair. 
He says, no, I'm, I'm planning to walk from one side to the other and here's where I'm gonna get where I'm going. See, it's not God's intent for us to be stuck in this place of no hope or, or no reprieve. It's not God's desire that despair would now become light. And yet it is God's guarantee time and time again in the scriptures, we will all walk through shadows. Jesus gives this mission to the disciples, right? And he, he doesn't tell them in the midst of this mission that your life will be free from angst or, or pain or sorrow. He doesn't say, this is now your best life, your best life now. No, he says, in this life, there will be trouble. Here's how you get through it. Take heart, I've overcome. See, we love the mountain moments, right? We'd much rather talk about the peak you think about that moment where Peter is standing up on this, this mountainside, the transfiguration, and Jesus shows up in this dazzling white. He's with the heroes of the faith of old. And Peter's like awestruck by this moment, right? What does he do? He sets up tents. He says, oh man, we gotta, we gotta make this home base. Let's do life right here. This, we don't want this to end, right? But the reality is every mountain trek means walking through some kind of valley and you don't get to stay on top. See, to get to the top, that means crossing the stream and hiking through the snow. That means marching through the mud and swatting the mosquitoes. And yet for David, even in the darkest places, the, the places that are as dark as death, he's good. How is that? I will fear no evil. See, there's something about the shepherd's presence that, that causes David, even when he's walking through this valley, to somehow rest. It's a miracle, I think, that someone like Stephen Curtis Chapman can say that the loss of his daughter, as some of you have experienced the loss of a child, blessed be the name of the Lord. I wanna show you uh, two things about this, this comfort that David speaks of. David says there's, there's two things that I take comfort in when the darkness sets in. It's not just that the Lord is with me, but there's, there's two specific things that God brings with him and brings for me that bring my heart peace. What are they? Thy rod and thy staff. I think we should unload on that for a minute. You know, let's just think about a rod. What's the purpose of a rod? A rod was a, a shorter mallet, right? Like think like baseball bat. And the shepherd carried this on his belt really for one reason and that was to protect the sheep. He would strike the enemy with it to beat away the predator. It was his weapon of choice. Reminds me of that passage in Genesis right after the humanity's fall and God makes this promise. He says, one day one's coming and sure the serpent will strike his heel, but he'll what? Strike the enemy's head. Meanwhile, a, a staff held an entirely different purpose. A staff was distinctive really for every shepherd because it was used for guiding the sheep back to the right path. It was quite literally used for, to either, either push or, or strike a lamb back into the fold. Because God knows that a sheep that's lost its shepherd, that's wandered from the flock is, is dead meat. And I think that's why God's word tells us he disciplines those whom he loves. The shepherd is not only the one who strikes death so that even those who die, we, we merely now pass through a shadow. He's also the one actively watching over his sheep in this life because he loves us. For David, that was his comfort. He knew as he followed the Lord, as he listened for the voice of his shepherd, wherever he went, he could take comfort in the fact that God's protection and God's direction was with him. 
Look at this in Psalm 22, verse eight. Look what he writes right before the Psalm. He says, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him. See, but if we're honest, I think it's a lot of times in the shadows and in the darkness where whatever it is that we're going through, we struggle the most. We ask questions like, really, God? How did you allow this to happen? How long am I going to walk in this valley? I mean, what happened to the good view? What happened to those days? Stephen Curtis Chapman said at one point, he, he went out into the woods and he began singing, blessed be your name. Remember that song? Blessed be your name and the landmark was suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. He said he was kind of working through the song singing. And he got to the part where we sing so boldly every Sunday, you give and take away, you give and take away. And he said, I quit singing it and I started screaming it, praying it in desperation to God. Where, where is God in the shadows I want you to see something in the book of Ezekiel. And, you know, God's flock have been maybe wondering the same kind of questions. They've been abused by those in power. That they've, uh, they've been misusing their authority. And, and um, um, as such, God sees this wounded, suffering, sort of neglected people. This flock that's now desperate and, and homeless. And I want you to see God's compassion in this passage. It's a long read. But just look at this with me. Look at the shepherd's heart here. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy, that means speak to them. Say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you don't feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you ruled them. So they're scattered because there was no shepherd. They became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over the face of the earth. No one to search or seek them. You picking up the heart of the Lord? Keep going. He says, therefore, shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, surely because my sheep have become prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but they've fed themselves and haven't fed my sheep, therefore, shepherds, hear this. Thus says the Lord God, I'm against you, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. Here's the ticker. Here's the important part. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they might not be food for them. For thus says the Lord, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of what? Clouds and thick darkness, shadows. See, time and time again in the scriptures, we turn to these stories where it seems like maybe God doesn't care. Maybe, maybe God's not there at all. Where darkness has become this all-consuming shadow and we wonder, where are you, Lord? And yet what we find time and time again is that by the end of the story, there is a God who is still actively seeking over his sheep. Leading them, guiding them, protecting them. How do we know this? So much so that he sins Christ to live among us. That's the rod. 
That in Jesus, he strikes this eternal blow to the enemy such that we might live. See, it's this persistent pursuit, right? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thy protection and they discipline, they give me peace. See, because for David, he knows when we follow the voice of the shepherd, even when you're in the shadows, there's nothing to fear. I love how St. Augustine wrote this. He said this, look at this on the screens. He said, as long as you remain in this light, you're walking in the midst of vices and pressures, which are the shadow of death. Let Christ shine in your heart who lights the lamp of our minds with the love of God and neighbor and you will not fear evils because he's with you. So just after worship today, we're jumping into this second annual Love the Valley. And, and the, you know, the purpose for that is that the mission that God has always claimed for himself and for his people is to be the light that shines in the midst of shadows. You know by now one of my favorite verses, life verses, John 1. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it, right? That's the essence of the good shepherd. That in Christ, even if you find yourself in the darkest valley, in him there's only light. It's his cause, right? And therefore it's our cause to be a part of that. There was once a pastor not that long ago, actually a Presbyterian pastor who lost his wife to cancer kind of on the flip side of that coin that Stephen had. She left behind two daughters and it was now his to raise these two little girls alone. And on the way to the funeral, which he was leading of all things, he was trying to figure out in his head, like, how do I explain this day to my children? He knew he needed to explain what was about to happen, what a funeral meant, but he needed to do it in such a way that his girls would comprehend what he was saying. He pulled up to this truck, right? He, he saw this, 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 this moving truck at this stoplight. He said, Girls, you see that truck right there? They said, yeah. He said, oh, I've got a kind of an odd question. He said, would you rather be hit by the truck or hit by the shadow of the truck? They said, well, dad, that's a silly question. A shadow can't hurt you. I mean, of course you'd rather be hit by the shadow of the truck. The dad said, you know what? You're right. He said, today I want you to know, I want you to remember that what we're talking about in church is that mom just got hit by a shadow. Jesus took the truck. See, there has to be like a, a certain comfort in the mystery of that promise, right? David doesn't say, even when I walk through death, he said, even when I walk through the shadow of death, it's a temporary holding pattern. Paul's words in Romans 8, 28, he says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good because they're called according to his purpose. Again, I'm, Reference Philip Keller last week, who wrote a great, uh, a great book on on this this psalm, and this is what he says. He says the disappointments, frustrations, discouragements, dilemmas, dark, difficult days, though they be shadowed valleys, they're not disasters. For the believer, they're all roads to higher ground. It's not just the promise, though. Hear this: it's not just the promise of tomorrow that keeps us walking through hard times. It's the promise we have today. I want to wrap up, but as I do, I want you to look one more time at this psalm. And let me show you how a familiar psalm, often we read it so much we misplace what's in it. David starts this chapter in the third person, right? Almost as if a teacher's talking about his subject. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, right? It's he, 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 he. What happens when he gets to the valley of the shadows? 
everything moves to first person. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. See, it's almost as if David moves from like this, this sort of like lesson in a classroom to now God is walking right beside him. He moves from a talk about God to talking with God. He's now praying with God. He takes comfort in this. I love that this landed on Love the Valley Sunday, right? Because I promise you, whether you're doing this with a church or you're going out as individuals today, every person you meet in this valley is walking through some kind of shadow. We all are. And here's our calling. Here's our purpose. Our purpose is to bring them through the light, right? To be a reminder to them that this is just temporary, that that God has not left them, that God loves them so much he sent Christ to die for them, that, that those who are in Christ Jesus, not even death gets the final word. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff bring comfort to me. The question for us is how will you pass that on today? And I think we've got a pretty tangible way to do that. Pray with me, will you? God, we're reminded by your word this morning that not even darkness is dark to you. Lord, and yet there's so many times in in life where we find ourselves walking in the, the shadows God, for one reason or another, maybe, it's, maybe it is the shadow of death or the shadow of loss, the, the shadow of anxiety or grief, struggle, the shadow of questions that have gone unanswered. So Lord, would you walk us through? God, would you help us not to sit in our despair or in our wanderings, but by your rod and your staff, would you guide us? Or would you protect us from the the enemy of whispering lies? Would you help us to cling to the truth that you are the good shepherd? The shepherd hear your voice. They they know you and you know them that you laid down your life for the sheep that no one will snatch them from your hand. And God, even in our darkest of moments, we pray, would you keep us mindful of green pastures, of still waters to come, Lord, would you refresh and restore us? Lord, not not just for our purpose and certainly not for our glory, but for yours. God, go with us as we serve you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.